As promised, this is the second audio podcast uh, for English 115. Uh, I wanted to to do this podcast uh, because we uh, did not have the opportunity to do a Zoom meeting this past Tuesday. Uh, But I'm going to keep this brief. I wanted to just kind of remind you of the upcoming assignments and to reiterate some uh, major points about uh, the papers. And, you know, as you listen to this podcast, you might want to uh, look at the syllabus. Uh, As you know, I've made a change for the first due date uh, on the first response paper. Uh, That now is going to be September 10th, okay? So you'll have until September 10th to turn in the first response paper, okay? And as I've already outlined in the instructions, what are you doing? Uh, For each response paper, you need to choose uh, any of the short stories that, that are listed on your syllabus, or you could choose another work, as long as it's coming from the anthology that's required for the course. Once you have chosen that short story, you need to uh, develop a two-page paper, at least two pages. Uh, and, of course, a work cited page will be number three. That will be the third page. So, yes, uh, you need to include a work cited page. Now, to this point, I have sent you the literary terms list. I have sent you a link to uh, MLA, 8th edition, via the, what we call, Purdue Owl site. And I will resend that link sometime over the weekend, okay? Um, I've also sent instructions on how to do the response papers, along with a few um, examples, uh, past examples of good papers from my previous classes. So you have some model papers to look at, as well as the instructions for how to do the response papers and, of course, the one critical analysis paper, okay? So what are you doing once you choose uh, a short story? Well, when you develop the paper, you need to organize it, okay? Organize it in the following way. In the introduction, you need to um, include a summary of the author's background and a brief summary of the work. And then the last sentence, which is very important, is your thesis statement. A thesis statement is a statement of purpose, okay? So I should be able to look at your thesis statement and tell point by point what you are going to discuss in the body of the paper, okay? So uh, again, I'll give you an example. In my first podcast, I talked about uh, Story of an Hour by Kate Chopin. A short piece, but it's chock full of a lot of literary uh, components that you can discuss in a paper. Now, let me reiterate. uh, What are you doing for these papers? You are supposed to approach a chosen short story either through what we call a new criticism approach, and this term is on your literary terms list, or a new historical approach. The majority of you 
are going to probably feel more comfortable doing a new criticism approach. Now, what does that mean? That means you focus on the text of the short story chosen. You focus only on the story itself in terms of writing style, symbolism. Okay, You can talk about the um, imagery and, and the work that's chosen. You can talk about the characters and how well-developed they are. Okay, you can talk about themes. You can talk about if there's any use of irony or foreshadowing. Okay, you can talk about the use of figurative language. And what do we mean by that? Uh, did the author utilize metaphors, personification, similes to a great effect in the work? So when you choose a short story, you need to focus on what you want to say. Utilize critical thinking, okay, uh, as you read between the lines of the chosen work. So I'll give you an example of a good thesis statement or a thesis statement that should be the model for what you're trying to do for not just the response papers, but the, the larger paper. Uh, you can uh, choose a work like uh, the life you save may be your own, which you should have read by now. And there's also criticism of that story on page uh, 235. Flannery O'Connor is the author of that work. And if I were to choose that work to critique, I could say something like this. I enjoyed Flannery O'Connor's The Life You Save May Be Your Own because of the use of Christ imagery, comma, naturalism, comma, and the vivid characterizations of the main characters, period. Okay? Uh, there's also some color imagery in that work. Okay, so there's a lot that can be discussed. But in the thesis statement that I just gave you, I have three points. Okay? And what am I going to do? In the body of the paper, I'm going to devote at least one paragraph to each of those points in my thesis statement. And I told you what to do. Within those paragraphs, for each point, you need to bring in at least one quoted example from the work to help illustrate your discussion on that particular point. So, yes, you are going to be bringing in direct quotes from the work that's chosen, okay? Even though you are not required to incorporate uh, quotations from critics that have talked about the work, you still need to include quoted examples from the work that you choose. That's the reason why you have to utilize what we call parenthetical documentation within the text of your short, of your, your uh, essay, and also attach a works cited page because, again, you are referencing uh, another work by an author. So even with the two-page response papers, you have to include quoted examples, okay, from the work that you've chosen to help support each of the points in your thesis statement. So again, if you have three points in a thesis statement, you're going to have at least three paragraphs in the body of the paper, okay? And within those paragraphs, you're going to 
bring in your own opinion, elaborate on why that particular point or points, um, you know, are very essential to the story. Okay. What did you like about the use of, say, figurative language? What did you like about the use of, in this case, with uh, Flannery O'Connor, Christ imagery or religious imagery, right? Um, there's also color imagery that I would talk about in the paper, okay? Um, there's also naturalism. And again, as I talked about in the first podcast, naturalism defined is when you have nature reflecting humanity. And I gave you uh, a few examples of that from Chopin's work, okay? Where, again, when Mrs. Mallard is looking out of the window at blue skies and chirping birds, that is a reflection of what is going on inside of Mrs. Mallard, okay? And as you know by now, because the work should have been read, uh, the work has a surprise ending, okay? Mrs. Mallard, upon hearing about the death of her husband, okay, she really starts to feel not sadness, but joy. And we find out that, ironically, the death of her husband represented freedom for her. In other words, in, in his death, she gained life, okay? And so in that short piece, we find out that internally, in her mind, Mrs. Mallard is starting to enjoy what she sees as a coming freedom, you know, after hearing about the death of her husband. So when she sees blue skies and chirping birds outside of her window, her bedroom window, we find out that it's a reflection of what's starting to happen inside of her. That is called naturalism. The nature is a reflection of her inner feelings, okay? And there's uh, an example of naturalism or several examples of naturalism in the life you save may be your own, okay? So, again, in talking about both works, naturalism is very important. And what I will do in a paper is bring in at least one quoted example of naturalism. And then once I... Uh, use that quote, I'll talk about it and explain how it fits the definition of naturalism. And going back to the story of an hour, we find out that there is foreshadowing as well as naturalism. There's also irony in that work. Now, why is foreshadowing essential to Chopin's work? Because I told you in the first podcast uh, Chopin mentions that Mrs. Mallard had heart problems. And I didn't tell you in the first podcast uh, what that foreshadowed because I didn't want to give away the ending of that story. But now you should know that at the end of that short story, Mrs. Mallard dies from a heart attack. Okay? And why? Because her husband, who was supposedly killed in a accident uh, comes through the door at the very end of the story, okay, to her shock and dismay. And the shock of seeing him again killed her. But, you know, people who did not know what was going on in her inner being assumed that she died from the joy 
of seeing her husband again. But we, the readers, uh, know better because, again, we were uh, invited into her inner thoughts. So we, as the reader, know better. We know that she didn't die from the joy, the joy that kills, okay? She didn't die from the joy of seeing her husband. She died based on, you know, her disappointment of seeing him alive again, okay? So we know better, and we know that there's an ironic twist in the, in the end of the work. The irony is that when he was supposedly dead, she felt life. When she finds out that he's alive, she dies. That is what we call irony, okay? So that is the kind of thing you can talk about when you do an analysis of a particular work, okay? So in a nutshell, that's what the story of an hour, which is entitled that because everything happened within an hour, okay? So that's what happened, and that's why that's a great work to choose if you want to uh, do a response paper on it or uh, do the, the larger paper on it because there's a lot to talk about. But in the life you save may be your own. There's a lot to talk about, okay? Flannery O'Connor uh, includes religious or Christ imagery. She has some interesting characters, one whose name Shiflet, and his name symbolizes the fact that he is a shiftless individual because he's uh, basically a bum trying to take advantage of an old woman and her daughter, okay? But the irony is that he's not the only user, okay? He's using Lucinell, the elder, the mother, but the mother is also using him to basically marry off her um, not too bright daughter, okay, who's also named Lucinell, okay? So as a character, Shiflet is described by Flannery O'Connor as kind of like an anti-Christ figure because he is a shiftless, uh, unethical human being. And we find that out when... Uh, when he marries her, he basically leaves the, the younger Lucinelle in a diner when she falls asleep at the, the counter, okay? So he was only after the old woman's property, mainly the car that he saw. And he basically marries the younger Lucinelle because he wants the car. He wants what he wants, but he really didn't want her. So towards the end of the work, we see that because of his actions, there may be some consequences in store for Mr. Shiflet. And at the very end of the work, we do see uh, at least one example of naturalism. Because after he's done his what you call dirt, he drives off, basically, while a storm is brewing, okay? And 
in a sense, Flannery O'Connor, who was a Catholic, is basically telling us as the readers that what goes around comes around, okay? And there is a reason why Flannery O'Connor puts a billboard in the story that has the same wording as the title of the story itself, okay? The life you save may be your own. Okay, so naturalism, imagery, Christ imagery, okay? Uh, the characterizations uh, of Shiflet and the Lucinelles, all of that helps make that work uh, worthy of criticism, okay? So again, that's just one of the many stories that you, you need to have read by now. And I wanted to use that as another example of what you should be doing when you start writing these papers, okay? So once you have chosen the short story, you need to make sure that you have a strong introduction with a summary of the author's background and a summary of the work itself. Make sure that you have a clear-cut thesis statement. You may use the first-person narrative, meaning you may use I, Okay. And then, however many points you have in your thesis statement, okay, you need to devote at least one paragraph to each of those points in the thesis statement. And within those paragraphs, you'll bring in quoted examples from the work, okay, along with a full-fledged uh, argument from, you know, you. You have to, in your own words, express uh, your opinions and uh, flesh out exactly what you want to say, okay? So this is a paper based on your thoughts. But if you do a new critical approach, I want you to focus your thoughts on literary components like figurative language or themes or symbolism or imagery, development of characters, irony, foreshadowing, okay? Those are literary components that I would like you to consider when you're deciding what to write on, okay? The conclusion, okay? Briefly restate the thesis statement. You can repeat it word for word if you want to in the first part of the conclusion. And then for the rest of the concluding paragraph, I want you to talk about what you may have gained from doing the analysis of the work and tell me whether you recommend or don't recommend this particular short story for further study. Uh, you can also make a, a personal connection between yourself and uh, the themes in the work. Uh, how did the work remind you of maybe a personal experience that you, you went through? Uh, you can also make connections between the work and what is still going on in society today. In other words, you may briefly discuss current day events which remind you of uh, what is in the work. Okay? That's how I want you to wrap up each paper. Okay? Including in the, the larger critical analysis paper, the short analysis paper. Okay? Which is at least five pages in length with the sixth page being your works cited page, okay? Uh, the larger paper is organized in the very same way as the 
response papers. Major differences, uh, there's, you know, response papers only two pages in length, okay, and don't require critical now, a critical uh, theory of critical quotes, okay? Um, literary criticism is what we call it. Uh, so the two-page response papers, you don't have to include uh, critics, but if you want to get an early start on doing some research, that means looking at library uh, literary databases, right? And you want to include a critic or two, that would be great. In fact, that will impact your final grade because you'll be, you'll be doing something that is not required. So I would recommend you try to include a um, critical source for one or more of the uh, four response papers, but it's not mandatory. But it is mandatory to include two criticisms for the larger paper. Okay, I want you to include two critics, academic scholars, and what you'll be looking at to find these scholars are what we call um, periodicals, um, like uh, academic journals, peer-reviewed academic journals, or you could look at books, academic books, academic uh, book chapters, uh, to find support for at least one of your thesis points. So what you're going to do is try to find two uh, academic scholars who basically agree with at least one of your thesis statement points. And then you'll incorporate direct quotes from those critics somewhere in the body of the, the paper. Okay? So in addition to using quoted examples from the chosen work, You'll also have to include direct quotes from the required uh, academic sources, okay? And all you're doing is trying to find people who agree with you, at least uh, agree with one of your, your points, okay? That's for the short analysis paper, all right? Other than those two major uh, elements, the... Response papers and the short analysis papers, they're all organized in the same way, okay? You need to have strong introduction, uh, a body that uh, in, in supports each of your thesis statement points, okay, and a strong conclusion, okay? So what am I grading you on? I mentioned this in my first audio. I'm grading you on organization, and I just talked about how to organize these papers, okay? Remember, when I say paragraph, I'm talking about five sentences or more. So I, you know, I want you to have paragraphs that are five or more sentences in length. I don't like short paragraphs, okay? So if your paragraphs are looking a little long, don't worry, okay? So when we talk about organization, I'm talking about a strong introductory paragraph, um, strong paragraphs in the body of the paper that support your thesis statement. That should be the last sentence in the introduction. And, of course, a strong conclusion that wraps up your thoughts, your, crit your critique of the work, and leaves your 
reading audience with something to think about. Okay? That's what we mean by organization. Now, content. That's the second thing I'm going to look at when I grade the papers. Content, briefly put and defined, is having something to say that's relevant. Uh, it's what you say and how you say it and how well you, you back up what you're saying. Okay, so when I uh, look at what you're saying and uh, how well you develop your argument, is, I'm looking at content, okay? So it's not what you're saying, but how well you say it in the paper. That's content. And do you bring in relevant, strong, uh, quoted examples from the stories that you choose to help support your argument, to help support your analysis? Okay. Third and last component that I'll be grading is grammar. Okay. And I want you to make sure that you review the grammar overview sheet that I emailed earlier. And I want you to try to avoid sentence fragments, which, you know, are incomplete sentences. Subject-verb disagreement, when your subject and your verb do not agree, okay? Comma splices, when you have a comma that's connecting two complete sentences. That's a no-no. A fused run-on sentence, basically the same thing. That's when you have two or more sentences running together with nothing between them, okay? How would you correct a comma splice or a few sentence? You would utilize either a period, a semicolon, or a conjunction, okay? But never ever connect two complete sentences with a comma, or never ever connect two sentences with nothing between them, okay? Those are major grammatical errors. So review the definitions of those major errors that I sent you early on, okay? So three components I'll be looking at. Organization, content, grammar, okay? So as you start to brainstorm for the first response paper, which is now not due until the 10th of September, I want you to review all the materials that I emailed to you the first week of class, okay? And as you're beginning to think about what story you want to critique, um, also think about how you want to approach that story. Do you want to utilize a new critical approach or the new historical approach? And I briefly talked about that in my first podcast. When you do a new historicist approach, you're talking about connections between the text and the history that surrounds the text. Okay? Uh, one good uh, approach in an analysis paper uh, based on a new historicist uh, premise is to talk about uh, connections between the author and the fictional work that he or she wrote. Uh, you can talk about uh, fictional events in the author's story that are reflections of what actually happened in that author's life. 
You can easily do this with Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat. You can do it with Kate Chopin's Story of an Hour. There's a number of works that I chose for you to read uh, that can easily be approached through a new historical lens. But most of you are going to probably feel more comfortable doing the standard literary analysis. That means focusing on the text and the text only and talking about the literary components of that text. And again, all you need to do is look at my literary terms list to get an idea about some of the things you can talk about when you do a new critical approach, okay? I think that's enough said for now. Um, I've tried to give you uh, an overview, a repeated overview of what's required for these papers. Okay, and I'm going to send an email announcement on this. Starting next week, I will uh, begin to accept rough drafts of the first response paper. I'll send out a specific time frame for when I'm willing to look at rough drafts. Now, are rough drafts mandatory? No. But I would recommend that if you have an early draft or drafts, you send them my way during the, the time frame that will be announced, okay? Uh, it's best to send rough drafts to the very person who's going to be grading your papers, okay? So I would urge all of you to take advantage of, you know, my willingness to do what is really double work, okay? So keep checking your emails for updates and uh, for announcements. And one of the first announcements I will send is pertaining to the period in which I will review partial or complete rough drafts, okay? And when I do review rough drafts, I make comments and try to give guidance on you know, whether you are doing things right or wrong. Okay? I'll end this second podcast at this point. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to email me or call me. I will probably set up another Zoom meeting uh, and open that up for um, questions or concerns. And I'll also, during that next uh, scheduled Zoom meeting, uh, talk in some detail about the assigned works on your syllabus to help you uh, gain a better understanding of the works and hopefully give you some uh, pointers and ideas about what you could write on in the upcoming papers, okay? So right now I'm looking at another scheduled Zoom meeting sometime next week. Um, since I think most of you are probably not available on Tuesday evenings, I might uh, just set up a Zoom meeting for Wednesday. And keep in mind, my scheduled Zoom meetings I'm not, I cannot make those mandatory for attendance. Okay, so with that, 
I I have to say, try to uh, attend the meetings when they're scheduled. But if you don't have the opportunity to attend the Zoom meeting, I will record the Zoom meetings, okay? Uh, and share it with everyone who did not have the opportunity to participate. So even if the Zoom meeting, the schedule next week, does not comply with your, your schedule, um, keep in mind that I will record it. Okay, as I will all uh, online meetings. Okay. All right. Have a good night. Have a good Labor the Day weekend, and um, I will talk with you uh, via audio podcast and perhaps another Zoom meeting uh, sometime next week. <laughs>